Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. My name is Patrick Cullen and I'm here, of course, my delightful co-host, Christopher T. Barty, Bardo, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Pat. It's uh, lovely to be with you once again um, <clears throat> after a fantastic effort from the Australian team. Oh. You know, some who don't oh. follow cricket will think the term exciting draw is an oxymoron. Um, but not you and I, Pat. Um, the only I would go as far as say that those people are just morons, Chris. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, can't argue with that. You know, they're the kinds of people that mispronounce Abu Dhabi as <laughs> Abu Dhabi. How very dare but you! But those Bardo. people aren't in this uh, room. They're not on this podcast. No, no, no. No, surely not. <laughs> surely one of them doesn't host this podcast. No. Um, he would definitely be a ginger freaking idiot. He'd be a ginger moron. Yeah. Is what I'd call that fella. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I've checked my dictionary, Bardo, and I've got my pronunciations on point Excellent. for the rest of the show. So um, let's just all be excited about that. Big man, big show. Um, obviously, we're a couple of days late in the pod here, folks. So thank you for sticking with us. Uh, but we've got huge stuff to cover. So what are we looking at? here, Bardo. We've got the women's 2020 match yeah. in which Rachel Hange took an absolute screamer. Um, there's the JLT final oh. and all the stuff that went down there. Yep, yep, Huge. Yep. Plus, we've got a new segment on the show, Pope Watch, um, which is all about the great Pope, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, we've got India's played a bit of a series against the Windies. Yep. Plus, there's the test we just played against Pakistan, the next <clears> one coming up soon. Gigantic, Bardo. Big. Just huge. Just a, a, a bumper episode coming up. Up. up, up. <laughs> the ability to talk over there, pal? Are you having a seizure? Yes. uh, (laughs) um, Of excitement. Um, A seizure of excitement uh, of of the upcoming episode. Uh, So, uh, settle in. It's going to be a good one. Settle in. Strap in, folks. We should also mention that uh, Crick Lit, our new segment, is taking us slightly longer to come to terms with than we maybe would have liked. (laughs) Look, it's... (laughs) <laughs> turns out Chris Gale's life takes a bit longer to read than maybe a week, turns out. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's um, it's meatier than expected. Uh, and good on... It's media. It's, hey, good one. You know? It's just like Chris Gale himself, you know? It's, it's meaty. It's meaty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I might cut that. We'll see how we go in the edit. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's probably not okay. Um, I don't think he'd be that insulted, but uh, everybody else might be. Um, yeah, it might be too much for people's ear holes. Um, let's move on, shall we, B-Train? Let's crack it into some yeah. cricket instead of um, wandering around the weeds there. Mate, um, it's time for our, our weekly, our sort of podcasterly episode time to acknowledge the sheer, sheer amazing, incredible skill of Elise Perry yeah. uh, and dive into the women's T20 match sure. against the Kiwis recently. Um, the Australian women won by nine wickets. Elise Perry was player of the match uh, only because, Chris, she took a cheeky four for 21 yeah, or four. Pat. For sure. The other factor in that game was the extraordinary catch. Um, which was, I think, off Perry's bowling. Is that correct? Yeah. Rachel Haynes, man. <coughs> You're right. It Rachel Haynes. Looks, I mean, first of all, if you haven't seen the footage, you need to look it up because it is a, an absolute perler from Rachel Haynes. It's, it, it, is a, it is a jaffer. But um, I think one of the really interesting points about that game, uh, Pat, is that 
the Australian fielding was just absolutely uh, hot and cold. Um, Rachel Haynes, a few overs earlier, dropped an absolute sitter at point. Um, you know, there was missed runouts. There was a, a whole bunch of things that didn't go right for the Australians in the field. But then um, Rachel Haynes pulls out just uh, arguably uh, the catch of the summer in spring, um, no less. <laughs> It's definitely the catch of the spring, but yeah, certainly the definitely catch, the catch of the catch spring. Of the spring. Um, no, you know, I mean, no contenders there, but um, you know, <laughs> terrific result for the Southern Stars um, for the Australian women's cricket team. Uh, as you say, you know, Elise Perry uh, just dominant with the ball. Um, you know, uh, and then the openers and uh, and the top order getting it done there uh, for the Southern Stars uh, <clears throat> and a clean sweep uh, for the Aussies against. Uh, against New Zealand, who have had uh, uh, the wood on the Australians in, in, in recent history. So all things boding well. All things boding well indeed, big man. And look, a big tip of the hat to Sophie Molyneux as well, um, who's an all-rounder, bowls a bit of left-arm offies, and took a cheeky three for 11 off mm-hmm. four, um, which in a 2020 game is pretty exceptional. Um, the batting card reads... Outstandingly delightfully, the Kiwis had chances to remove both Healy and Mooney in the first couple of overs and couldn't hold them. One of them was an absolute sitter. That brought me back to a cage ball incident, Chris. Right. Um, for new listeners of the pod, um, may remember uh, that Chris and I invented a form of cricket called cage ball uh, back when we were teenagers. It was a variation somewhere in the middle of indoor and outdoor cricket, and a edge came off a ball and popped up right over my head. Um, and I called it, and the ball came down and landed about a foot in front of me. <laughs> I completely missed it. Because I'm a talented man with many skills. Um, but this was a similar one with the Kiwis. This high ball popped up yep. um, off off Beth Mooney. Yep. And nobody wanted to know about it, Beach. No. no, and look, it, uh, I mean, it was just a dirty a dirty night for the Kiwis, wasn't it? Um, you know, you, they would have, uh, I'm sure, hoped for a little bit more. Um, but uh, just not to be. And um, look, I think a few points as well about that series against the Kiwis. I mean, obviously... A three-nil whitewash for the Australians, which bodes well with the uh, the T20 World Cup around the corner. Um, also, a big shout to uh, uh, to uh, Channel Seven. I, I thought the coverage um, of the T20s was uh, excellent. I thought they did a really good job, and uh, and good numbers turning out in the crowd too, uh, offering the Southern Stars some uh, some good support. Um, so it's great to see. You know, we say this every time, every time we talk about the women's game, but it's it's going really, really well. Um, you know, fantastic numbers continuing to support, and you know, it's just um, I think the women's game just offers something different. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, um, it's almost in some ways a, a, a purer form of cricket because it's not just about muscling the ball around, although they can certainly hit the ball a long way. Um, you know, you've actually got to think your way through an innings and and work the ball around, which um, for uh, for purists um, uh, like you and I, Pat, it's it's uh, it's very enjoyable to watch. So um, yeah, just another fantastic uh, step in the right direction for the women's game um, there in the the T20 series against New Zealand. And mate, a couple of uh, a couple of bizarre. Well, no, not bizarre is not the right word. Interesting fixtures coming up for the women's side. Mm. So they've got three one days against Pakistan in Kuala Lumpur yeah. um, coming up in October, and then followed by a couple of twenty twenties, and then just after that is the World T Twenty squad. Yeah. So. A kind of a strange schedule for them. It looks like they're going to have a lot of cricket. They should be in pretty good nick by the time to get to the the 2020 World Series. Yeah, I mean, look, you've just got to um, feel for 
Pakistani cricketers really, don't you? I mean, uh, obviously the men play in, in um, Abu Dhabi, uh, or as it's known on the pod here. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and then the women obviously playing in uh, uh, Kuala Lumpur, uh, which is uh, you know quite away from home uh, for both countries. So. Um, you, you know, but uh, you know, fantastic to see that again. Pakistan are, are, are fielding a side there, and and uh, look, hopefully they're competitive games. I must admit, I don't know much about the Pakistani women's uh, team, but it'll be it'll be fascinating to to watch that uh, unfold. Um, you know, as as players really jostle for the uh, um, for the positions there at the the T Twenty World Cup, which you'd almost go as so far as to say is probably. Um, the, the paramount women's competition at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with that, pal. And I, I'd also be inclined to say, and I'm a biased man here, I'm prepared to admit that, but the Aussies should be really on track there to win it. Surely they're going in dollar favourites there, Bardo. I mean, I think we're just a cut <clears> above. Is that is that absolute bias coming out of my face? Oh, look, I think it's certainly based uh, uh, in, in rationale, but, you know, I, I don't think they won last time, you know, and, and the... Um, you know, the West Indies women are, are quite strong, the Indians, the English. True. Um, you know, New Zealand didn't have a great series in Australia, but um, with the likes of Susie Bates, um, you know, at the top of the order, they can certainly do some damage. So um, I would, <clears throat> whilst I would say it's not unreasonable to, to have Australia as favourites, uh, I wouldn't say it's cut and dry necessarily and it, it should make for a fascinating tournament. Well, we'll have to see how that pans out. Big man, let's turn our attention to the JLT Cup final mm. that just wrapped up. Um, and your mate, your mate Garinda Sandy B man had an absolute freaking blind up. I couldn't get him across the line. Yeah, look, uh, you know, we said we said off air that uh, it's not often that you take seven for fifty six uh, and a hat trick and get rolled um, or be on the losing end. And uh, but that's just what happened to Garinda. Um, yeah, unfortunately for him, Tasmania just couldn't get across the line. Um, Victoria, just with too many performers across the board, uh, led by the evergreen uh, Cameron White, um, who just continues to produce at shield level. Um, we saw him return mm. to the ODI lineup last year. Um, and look, you've got to wonder, you know, will we see him later in the summer? Uh, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, well done there to the Victorians um, and uh, certainly some key performers for them. Mate, you're absolutely right there, and and you know what, Pardo, given the like the the rapid changes that have happened in in the Australian men's side, I really wouldn't be surprised to see the bear come back into contention. He's been in such great nick for so long, especially in the one dayers, mm. um, eighty eight off ninety six in the final there, and again, especially when Sander was just absolutely tearing them mm-hmm. apart. I mean. Like, what did he get? Seven for 56 off 10. I mean, that's extraordinary. In, in, and, and he bowls pace and a bit of spin as well. He's a versatile guy. I mean, he's got to be sticking his hand up to get into the one-day squad as well, B-Man, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, <coughs> you know, uh, selection is a, is a, fickle, uh, a fickle beast, and it's, and it's hard at times to know, to know just exactly what the uh, Australian selectors are thinking. Yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on inside their brains? Uh, unfortunately, the, the Tasmanians could just not get across the line. Their batting never really got started. Alex Doolin was around for a 46, but after that, it's pretty brutal reading. Fours, elevens, ones, threes, and a couple of extra ones there. It reads worse than the Australian middle order, uh, and that's that's saying something, <laughs> but that's a real kick in the pants. <laughs> yeah, not ideal. Not ideal at all, was it? But... Um, uh, 
Look, again, um, you know, Victorians are just uh, uh, an incredibly strong side, um, you know, really well drilled. They haven't had a lot of success um, over recent years, but they've always been there or thereabouts. Um, you know, I think uh, also really interesting from an Australian perspective. Um, so as we talked about, you've already talked, we've touched on uh, touched uh, on the Bear, Cameron White, uh, Marcus Harris also making a quick fire 45 at the top of the innings. Um, interestingly, uh, man of the match though went to Peter Hanscom, um, who made hmm. a quick fire forty nine, um, and uh, must have been behind the stumps. Uh, in fact, there, there yeah. yes, he was. Um, so, uh, I mean, good signs there for, again for the Aussies. P- Peter Hanscom uh, doing well. Um, uh, there's also been a lot of chat around Farwad Ahmed's form. Um, you know, uh, yeah, he's true. almost the leading spinner in domestic cricket at, at the moment. Um, and he's a guy that uh, not too long ago was uh, found himself on the outer of uh, uh, of the domestic cricket scene, and uh, you know here we are talking about him uh, potentially making a return for for national honours. Um, t- again, taking a handy uh, two for uh, forty five in a big in a big game. Bardo, can we also give a quick tip of the hat to our, our good friend of the pod, Jackson, the big man bird, mm. the big bird, um, who, who hit 26 off 21 with a strike rate of 123. And I think we all know in our hearts <laughs> that he was taking the long handle there, that he was here for a good time and not a long time. And I'm always a big fan of that when tailenders come yeah. out and swing and swing hard. So good work to Jackson oh, look, there. Absolutely. Um, look, and when he came in, it was it was at nine for 137 um, so it was good to see that he was giving the people of uh, Junction over uh, value for money uh, there down in St Kilda but uh, the other thing I noticed too Pat um, interestingly enough um, was that Victoria have a team song and uh, oh, yeah. um, it is uh, I didn't know this but it's actually joining the chorus uh, which is the uh, the North Melbourne uh, team song um, ah. yeah yeah um, but instead of North Melbourne's on the ball, it's Victoria's on the ball. So um, <clears throat> a regular listener to the podcast, uh, Tim Burns, uh, I'm sure we will be all over that, being the big North Melbourne supporter that he is. But uh, I'd like to know who copied who, Pat. Uh, uh, <laughs> whomst owes whomst uh, some IP money. Uh, I don't know. But uh, just an interesting little uh, tidbit that came out there. Do you reckon it's one of those old school cricket footy crossover things where maybe back in the oldie days there were a couple of boys from North Melbourne who who played for Victoria in the summertime and just decided to uh, start cracking out the song when they had a few wins that they were just a bit pumped about it, B-Train? Yeah, look, entirely possible. Um, certainly a lot of those uh, classic football songs are... Uh, lean heavily on the melodies uh, of, of other songs so it's uh, it's not beyond the realms of possibility is it but uh, that could be a bit of research for the next podcast Pat um, wow players that wow. played for the North Melbourne Football Club that also played for Victoria if anyone knows of any um, please let us know uh, and so that we can further dig into this mystery of the Victorian team song <laughs> This is the point where two for none becomes serial. But oh, yeah. finally, we find a mystery. We can get right in there, <laughs> dig right into that sucker, and just uncover it. But uh, well, get it out there for you the know, people. You could listen to true crime, or you could listen to this. And what would you? <laughs> <laughs> I think we know which one's a little bit better. You know, We're a little bit more ball bang for your luck. Speaking of bang for your buck, it's time for my new favourite segment, Pope Watch. We're going to look at the the great 
uh, Lloyd Pope B-Man, yeah. the my favourite um, red-headed, high-foreheaded, um, lanky 18-year-old leggy who is just pumped. You may remember back to late last year when he absolutely tore apart uh, the English at the, the Under-19s mm-hmm. World Cup. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a strange-looking man. He's got a long mane of red hair. He looks like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Right. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? the chorus? <laughs> yeah, he probably was Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. <laughs> Join in the chorus. Join. Sing it one and all. Join in the chorus. Victoria's on the ball. Good old Victoria, where champions will agree. I assume that's how it went. I don't know. Probably. I mean, I I was going to provoke you before to be to sing it, so I'm pleased you did it of your own volition. Um, B-Man, look, we could have, as early as by the end of the week, have the great Lloyd Pope making his debut for South Australia. And mm. I can tell you, mm. I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, A, because I liked it. <laughs> to see redhead men yep. playing cricket because mm-hmm. there aren't that many of us, Bardo. No. It's me, Sean Pollock, and um, Andrew McDonald. Yep. And that's that's all the redheads I can think that's of. That's right. Um, so I love that. And then additionally, um, he's bloody good, B-Man. Can I just say too that uh, the Pope is making his, his debut in the City of Churches? Oh, holy moly. Stop all yeah. the clocks, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm not a religious man, but sometimes you just see divine intervention and you just look at it. Hands is up over. <laughs> um, I better actually check that. Is it in, is it in Adelaide? Because otherwise that doesn't work. Yeah. It is. Oh, oh yeah, well. Uh, yeah. There you go. Hey. <laughs> so here's the thing. They've had a lot of rain in Adelaide down there recently. Sure. And the covers are still on. So we're not going to know whether he's going to make his debut tomorrow. Okay. Um, or not until the covers come off. Right, right. So um, here's, here's hoping that it'll be a spin battle between him and Steve O'Keefe. Hopefully the covers come off and it's just dry as a freaking bone under there and it's just about to move three foot left to right. Because I tell you what, the Pope, he loves a celebration, Bardo. Yes. He loves a celebration. Yep. Um, and we love a bloke that loves a celebration that gets up in there and causes some trouble. He does a fist pump. He does a big jump in the air. Um, he's all about it, you know. And we've offered some advice on this podcast, Chris, to people about how to run a celebration. And look, if the Pope has a career, which I'm sure he will, I'm hoping that he'll be able to run some workshops, uh, maybe some nighttime classes mm-hmm. for aspiring mm-hmm. cricketers about how to really just pump up that celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we love a fiery leggy. Love a fiery leg around here. Love one. Um, Love it. You know, and uh, look, the spinning stocks at South Australia don't look too bad at the moment, do they? With Lloyd Pope and uh, uh, Adam Zampa, of course, um, doing really good things. So um, let's just hope for more of it. And look, Gary Lyon himself South came out of South Australia, even though he's a New South Welshman. So there's definitely a fair bit going on down there. Obviously, the Pope's in line to make his debut because the T20 team has already flown out to go to the UAE to play the next round of T20s against Pakistan following the Test Series. Mm-hmm. So um, with Zampa out, the door has opened for the Flying Pope to just get in there, B-Man, to just sidle on in. Um, in terms of uh, look ahead to the future, though, pal. Yep. And you can see we're cracking through some content, folks. I feel like we're getting through some stuff uh, here. On, by Pat, the way. I'm, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Just before we move on, um, yeah, uh, there's a, a, a late breaking press release from the oh. from the SACA 
from Osaka. Breaking news. Um, they said they haven't made a decision on whether Lloyd Pope um, has been included in the team. Mm-hmm. But if he is picked, we'll be notified by some white smoke being puffed from the chimney of the Adelaide <laughs> Oval. Um, I mean, I, I get it's, uh, it's four-day cricket, so I get it. White, uh, sure, you got to stick to a thing, but very unusual um, way to do it. I mean- <laughs> You know, I thought you were 100% serious there. I really didn't realise there was a joke coming, and you you got me. But I, I enjoyed no, Nothing funny about that. the Pope, Pat. That was very serious business. <laughs> nothing funny? No. Nothing funny, Vado. Big hats, lots of seriousness. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Look, I'm, I can't tell you, B-Man, if I wake up and in my little house in Stanmore in Sydney, if I can climb to the tallest point in Sydney and see white smoke billowing from the west, then I will I will know that, that a good time is coming. A good time is coming for all. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yep. No, on the on the uh, on the first day, he shall rise or something. Um, <laughs> Are you quoting Lord of the Rings? No, that's on the, <laughs> that, no. That'll work for me because he says on the fifth day, look to the east, and you'll see. You know me coming but ah, you're on the west so it doesn't it doesn't work and also he'd get picked on the yeah, first no. he'd get picked on the first day of a four-day contest so there is no fifth day so by that logic yeah. he's not going to turn up pat you know i mean <laughs> it's a numbers game so yeah, no, I anyway that, but it, was a, it was a bad joke i got myself in trouble there um <laughs> all tangled <laughs> up let the next one all tangled up it was like i was spun in one of lloyd pope's webs um Big man, talk to me about this test that India's playing. I'm just thinking, India's playing the West mm. Indies at the moment, and I'm just thinking about our test summer, Straight about our, our next couple of tests against them. And they've got a new, new young batsman, B-Train, who you're a little bit excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just some amazing things going on. Yeah, I mean, India's, first of all, it's just a, uh, a, a, a procession of talent, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it's one after another. It's outrageous. India playing um, the West Indies in India. Um, the first Test match um, uh, <clears throat> just uh, was a shellacking. You know, no, no other way that you can put it. Really, um, India just absolutely uh, taking apart um, an understrength West Indies side. Um, but the big news story out of that Test match uh, was the performance of. Um, uh, Prithvi Shaw, I hope I got that right. I, I may not may not have, but um, uh, at 18 years of age, Pat, 18 years of age, making his Test debut, goodness, and yeah. scoring 134 runs of 154 balls, um, and that is frightening. Uh, 134 for 154. Uh, 134 of 154. Yeah, so um, oh just God. absolutely, um, uh, you know, outrageous and uh, named man of the series as well um, in in that uh, that series against the West Indies. Wow! Um, just the absolute uh, well uh, phenom, uh, wonderkin uh, is is really the only. I tell you what, Bardo. That gives you those real Sashin vibes, doesn't it, mate? Massive Sashin vibes, those man. Real big, big Sashin vibes. Uh, feels like Sashin. Feels like Sashin. So, um, look, he'll be one. To, he'll be one to watch for. Um, uh, is Young Shaw? Um, <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see. Um, but look, certainly again, India in in hot form as well as we know they're going to be uh, Australia's opponent during the Australian summer. Um, Yadav taking uh, nine wickets in the second uh, Test match. 
um, to lead India to a really convincing 10-wicket win. Um, Pardon me. Uh, So... Dangerous times for Australia. I mean, we know, uh, you know, we called it in episode one. It's it's this. It's going to be the summer of uncertainty. We don't really know summer what to expect. Um, uh, but what we can expect, and I guess what we can bank on now, is that we know uh, India is going to turn up and, and and ready to play because uh, they want a Test win in Australia, and it's it's a bloody scary prospect if you have a team with uh, Virat Kohli in it alone. Uh, you know, let alone being uh, him being supported uh, with the likes of uh, of this kid. So, um, you know, he could be worth the price of admission alone. Pat it sounds really exciting, Bardo. And look, we'll get a we'll get a better indication, I think, after they tour England. After they play a couple of contests against the Poms, we'll have a better idea of where they're at. And if they come out of that with a win, then I think we should be really. If they come out of that with a win, I think we should be really worried. You know. We should be that should be that could be a real good litmus test. If they can handle that swinging ball, then coming here, then holy dooly. And Yadav getting wickets over there against the Windies yeah. stands me in good stead. I mean, just to give you just to give you some concept, you know, in three innings, um, uh, he scored two hundred and thirty-seven runs and an average of one hundred and eighteen and a half. So, <laughs> you know, not bad. Um, Ooh, and uh, holy uh, freaking dooly. You know the, the the Indian wicketkeeper Pant. Um, what a great name for a wicketkeeper, by the way, Pant. Um, uh, you know, with an average 184 runs, uh, you know, across two innings, um, just really holding up uh, uh, the Indian uh, batting order there. Um, you know, which is something that, that the Australian side, although you know we're big fans of T Pain here at the pod, um, you know hasn't really had for a little while is, is a consistent run scoring uh, uh, wicketkeeper um, in the ilk of a you know of, of a Gilchrist. Um, uh, so yeah. uh, it's going to be a hell of a challenge, and and, uh, and I guess it'll just be a, a matter of waiting to see uh, uh, who can stand up. You're not wrong there, pal. You're not wrong there. And speaking of standing up, big man, let's talk about the bloke who really did stand up over the last week, Usman Kuwaja. Mm. Holy freaking moly, Bardo. The draw. Yeah, holy The draw. I mean, mate, that last session blew my freaking face off. Uh, Coming into that, I was like... There's, there's no way that we're going to be able to pull that off. And the way the boys responded, and particularly that Usman batted, I mean, you and I talked about it before the test, and I got a little bit excited about the prospect of Aaron Finch mm-hmm. getting the broom mm-hmm. out, Bardo, and having a sweep. Not only did Usman get the broom out, but he turned it around, B-Train. He, was, he got the broom out and was doing stuff with the handle. He, he was reverse sweeping everything um, with extraordinary precision. And it was a style of play that we haven't seen from Usman before. And, yep. and it proved to be so effective. Also, the way that him and, and Finchie worked together really got me thinking about the Australian opening partnership, largely since David Warner has been a part yep. of the team. Like going back to when Chris Rogers was around, which is, when you think about it, quite a while ago now. which was the yep. last time our openers were working really well. And that those two being such an odd couple, odd couple work together. I mean, even thinking back to Eddie Cowan, Steady mm-hmm. Eddie, and and how we've been trying to match David Warner to someone for years. Like it's been like The Bachelor. Mm. You know what I mean? We've just been like bringing him partners, being like, "Do you like this one? Is this is this a workable thing? Is there chemistry here?" Yeah. And then we drop Aaron Finch, who doesn't have a great first class record, um, in with Usman Khawaja, yeah. who struggled in the subcontinent. And those two 
utterly rose to the challenge. Yeah. And and I thought batted spectacularly well, Chris. <clears throat> Mate, I mean, um, you know, what can you say? Well, I mean, I mean, first of all, what, what can you say about Usman? Um, both innings, um, absolute, absolutely superb, of course. Um, you know, really patient, uh, well-made 85 in the first dig. Um, just looked in control, um, batted really well, picked off the bad balls, did all the things you want him to do. Um, you know, and people often like accuse him of being like looking too relaxed or, you know, lackadaisical or all that kind of thing. But he was just, that's what you want in that kind of scenario. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, compared to a David Warner or, or, or that, uh, you, know, you know, that sort of ultra aggressive style batsman, although Usman can still bat aggressively when he needs to, uh, you know, he does, you know, he, he, he looks um, very relaxed. But in these conditions, uh, what he looked was composed, um, yeah. you know, and um, I think he well and truly put that, uh, that subcontinent rubbish to rest you know he can play in all conditions you know um interestingly you know obviously in the second innings um just uh you know just one of the all-time great uh draw saving innings um you you know 302 balls um i mean that's 50 overs that he faced in that's a whole one day whole one day innings 302 balls 50 overs 524 minutes um I mean, that, in really difficult conditions um, when, you, you know, not a lot else is happening around him. So, um, yeah, just not enough, not enough superlatives. Um, you know, who would have thought 12 months ago that we would have said that Usman Kawaja is the senior batsman in the Australian test side? Yeah. You know, I mean... Yeah. Let's not forget that he finished the ashes off in really good style as well. True. Um, so, uh, I mean, you can't you can't run out of superlatives. I think the really interesting thing. Look, and you raise a great point about um, Finch. So, um, mm. you know, um, we talked. About, you know, obviously mentioned Warner and the ultra aggressive batsman. Um, Finch obviously making a really composed sixty-two, but off. 161 deliveries at a strike rate of 38 and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, how's that for showing that you've got different gears? And and maybe that's what you know the art of batting is now. Is it's you know for for the first you know 100 years of 120 years of cricket and Test cricket, we we really only saw batsmen going in in first, second, and third gear, and only saw flashes of fifth gear. You know, and now we see fifth gear, fifth and sixth gear all the time, but the art form now is do you have you know can you bat at all speeds can you bat at the speed that is required for the match conditions at the time and you know Finch and Kawaja showed that in in, in both innings yeah. and got Australia after a really really good start and I just wonder like you know I mean Warner's obviously you know proven that he's got a really decent test record um, but would you get that if Dave Warner was opening the innings um you know, would you get, you know, and obviously Matty Renshaw as well. Um, you know, Matty Renshaw is going to be a terrific uh, batsman for Australia for a long, long time. But would you have gotten that 
if Matt Renshaw was opening the innings. So, you know, in some in some ways, you know, the crisis that, that's engulfed Australian cricket, um, uh, it's something I talk about a lot, you know, crisis creates opportunity and it's created the opportunity for, for JL to, to perform a bit of mad science and um, it's, it's turned out to be a stroke of genius. Um, I mean, I know one test match, you know, they say one swallow doesn't make a summer and, and obviously one, one test match doesn't make a summer or a spring in this case. Um, but um, it really, really promising starts and... Um, you know, the, there's, there's there's plenty of things to talk about because there's, there's a lot of uh, other aspects of the game where Australia could have performed a little bit better um, and there are some other oh, good absolutely. performances, but uh, oh, it's hard to run out of superlatives. Oh, I mean, it, it, it's easy to run out of superlatives, I suppose, um, yeah. because it was just uh, enthralling. And, uh, you know, what other game in the world uh, uh, can keep you gripped to the edge of your seat for a... a a null, a nil result. Do you know what I mean? It's a, a, what a, what a for great advertisement for five days, but you know? fantastic for five for five days. Uh, and look, like we've got to give a lot of credit to Pakistan here. Like they Huge. they batted out of their skins. Uh, Muhammad Hafiz coming back into the side after a long time out made 126 yeah. and looked really good in that first dig. Imam Al Haq, you know, at the top of the order, 76 himself. Harris, and look, just after we got a breakthrough or two and we're starting to feel like things were starting to happen for Australia, Harris Sahail came in and, and batted like yep. an absolute gun. Him and Asad Shafiq got together in the, in the lower middle order there with 110 and 80. And by the end of that, you know, we're giving um, Labashane the, the ball and, and letting him have a roll over there. And, and he got a breakthrough and a run out in quick succession, that kid. We actually ended up with two run outs in that first innings because the, the bowling was so freaking tough. You can see it yeah. in the figures too, mate. I mean, Lino bowled 52 overs, two for 114. I mean, that's massive. 52 overs is... He he bowled a whole one-day game yep. by himself. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and look, I think, you know, it's a really interesting point you raise about the tough bowling conditions because, you know, we only need to cast our, our minds back to the tour match. And I, don't, and I understand Pakistan A is not Pakistan, but... You know, Lionel was bowling really well and, and, and I think took eight for in one of the innings. So, um, mm. you know, for him just to absolutely have to grind like that for such a long time just shows what tough conditions it was. B-Train, what did you make of Johnny Holland? Um, look, obviously a tough, I mean, tough introduction. Um, I think the he came back well in the second innings. Um, I, I thought Australia bowled better in the second uh, second dig. Um, I mean, obviously conditions favoured us a little bit more, and, and and Pakistan perhaps looking to to push the game to build a lead, uh, a match winning lead. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, a couple of great, you know, a, a caught and bowled. Uh, Imam Al Haq, you know, when he, when he was set, really really helpful. Um, yeah, and and obviously uh, got rid of Hafiz as well. Um, so uh, I think shows enough there to to get a second game. Um, you know, would you play him uh, in in non spin spin friendly conditions? Uh, I'm not sure. I think you still got to go with uh, with uh, Gary, uh, but um, certainly mm. didn't embarrass himself by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. 
I think I think that's a good call, mate. Look, and at the end of that first innings, Pakistan ended up all out for 482, which was huge. As we mentioned, uh, the first Aussie dig, uh, Usman and, and and Aaron Finch came together for a really great opening stand, and then everything fell away. Um, the Marsh brothers were out for seven and twelve. Head and Lubasan, Lubas- I can't say that, but how do you say Manus's last name? There's a couple of ways, but I I, I think we've all landed on Lubashane. Um, Lubashane. Yeah. Lubashane. I haven't been doing well with pronunciation today, folks. It's been a tough day for me, me old head. Uh, yeah, minus Lubber Shane was out for a duck as well. And mate, you got to give big credit to Asif in that Asif in that first innings. He absolutely bowled like a legend. Six for thirty-six yeah. of twenty-one overs. He was going for one point six and over. And when you can compare that to poor old Nathan Lyon, who's by far and away our best spinner, bowling fifty-two overs, two for one fourteen. Like it was just a lot tougher going. Going um, for the Aussie batsmen, obviously adjusting to conditions, and Pakistan had some really good plans yeah, there, dude. which they executed. But also, um, big shout to Muhammad Abbas, uh, four for twenty-nine. Oh, yeah, Abbas. Um, you know, virtually unplayable there at some points. Just um, absolute, absolutely, absolutely uh, uh, deadly, and, and made the Australians look silly um, at, uh, at at times there. Um, so, you know, you're quite right. Um, just the two destroyers there. I thought what was really interesting in the first innings, though, uh, Pat, was that um, Yasir Shah, uh, none for 80. Um, so yeah. I, I wonder I, I wonder if the... Obviously, Yasir Shah has been the prominent, uh, you know, leg spinner in world cricket for a little while um, and, uh, and, and arguably um, uh, Pakistan's... Uh, um, uh, you, you know, premier Best strike bowl, roller, really. if you like. Um, yeah. I think he ha- he holds a record as uh, for fewest test matches to 50 wickets by a Pakistani or something like that. Um, so yeah, you know, right. he's he's a deadly bowler. But what I wonder, what I wonder is, did the Aussies put a lot of time into learning how to play Yasir Shah, and and and, and uh, perhaps not as much time in, in, into the other bowlers, and maybe they particularly. Um, you know, Muhammad Abbas, who obviously bowls a bit of pace um, in spin-friendly conditions. You know, did, did that catch them unawares? I'm not too sure. Um, the point I make, I mean, about, I my, the my point I make about the Marsh go. brothers, mate, is that... Um, oh, yeah. Look, obviously, um, it's not great reading uh, in, in either innings. Um, but, uh, and look, people will, uh, I'm sure, accuse me of being a, a sycophant. Um, to a, 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 a Marsh Brothers sycophant, um, but uh, wait for the tweets, but uh, no, wait for the tweets. Um, but uh, you know, uh, we we referred to the tour match earlier, um, and it wasn't but a week ago that they were making you know uh, uh, a lot of runs, big runs for Australia in the tour mm. match. So you know, not a great game, but I think with with Mitch Marsh being uh, recently uh, promoted to vice captain. Sean Marsh coming off a uh, you know a really strong summer for Australia, and both players making runs against Pakistan A in the tour match, unlikely to be any changes made for the second test. I, I wouldn't have thought, even though you would argue that um, it, it was Australia's batting that uh, uh, let them down, particularly in the first dig. B man, do you know what my theory is? Yeah, and and you can I'm 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 ready for you to contradict me here, but. I think they need to be separated in the batting order. Sure. I don't think having them one after another is a great plan. Um, I think they get a little bit excited, 
batting with each other and they lose their minds. They get a bit... They You know, remember when Mitch scored his 100 and the two of them nearly <laughs> bloody ran each other out because they were too busy trying to give each other a cuddle? Do you know, I think they're just inclined for that sort of nonsense. Um, and my second thought is that Sean's done such a great job down the order. I recognise now with the, with the lack of our other uh, senior head of you know old head batsmen that we need uh, experience yeah. especially around the top and we're really short of a number three especially with the Usman moving up yeah. so Sean probably does have to stay in at three but I feel like Mitch might be better down at six and give Minus a bit of a chance further up the order is my thought um, <clears throat> look I, I certainly agree with you I think you know um, Sean Marsh's best form for Australia I, I, I think has, has been um, you know at, uh, at number five um, and, uh, and we talk about, you know, potentially about splitting them up. I think Mitch Marsh looks best at six, um, but mm. uh, I'm not... It's a rock and a hard place because I'm not sure that you could put Travis Head in at three um, after just one test um, or, or Labashain, um, you know, who's obviously had a bit of a, a baptism by fire um, in oh, his first game, so mate. so I'm not really sure what you can what you can really do with the uh, with the batting lineup. Uh, to be honest, even though that's that's probably the one that uh, uh, needs the most work for the next Test match if Australia's going to uh, going to win. Yeah, we definitely need to make more runs. We definitely need to make more runs in the in the in the top order. But look, an excellent bowling performance. And again, just on a bus, mate. Like it was, his spell for me in that first innings was such a good indicator of how difficult good reverse swing is to play. And and Australian batsmen who faced a lot of pace bowling, you know, well aimed at good reverse swing at pace can just be absolutely devastating. And he got that ball to talk, um, and he got it to talk in ways which made the Australians mm. really freaking dumb. Mm-hmm. And we weren't able to get the ball to do the same thing, even with um, Starkey in the side. You know, who's obviously very good at bowling mm-hmm. in that style. So, um, yeah, it was it was credit to him. Uh, second innings, as you mentioned, Bardo, the Pakistanis came out to to hit a few runs. Imam al Haq again was pretty good with forty eight. Um, Harris Sahail again with thirty nine. Asad Shafiq forty one. Um, they ended up declaring with six down for one eighty one. Johnny Holland looked a lot better in that second. Yeah, for game. sure. Twenty overs, three for eighty three. Um, looked a lot more threatening. Sort of sorted out his line a bit more. Was beating the inside of the bat more. Mm-hmm. Um, which we love. We've got a couple of LBWs. And again, Labashain just chimed in with a leggy there with one that turned a freaking mile yeah. um, to remove Harris Hale. It was very impressive. Which, like... For a while there... <laughs> yeah. You know, you've just got to, like... Australian test teams of years gone by have always had batsmen that can bowl a little bit. Um, and I think it's great. You know, he, he said in the press that he's been working hard. Uh, I think even Matty Renshaw said that... Um, uh, that JL's trying to get all the batsmen to bowl a little bit. So, like, Matty Renshaw has been in the net <laughs> practicing his uh, off spinners. Um, and I, I think that's that's a real key element of Australian teams of, of years gone past. So, you know, you look at you look down at the, uh, the, again, the Australian batting order at the moment and they can all bowl a little bit. You know, I mean, I, I don't think we'll, we'll throw Uzi or, or Sean Marsh the ball anytime soon, but... Um, 
Uh, I think it's great. You know, Options there's, there's, there's weapons there. You know, you can throw Mitch Marsh the ball and, and, and get someone, you know, throwing them down at 140 clicks, or you know, you can throw uh, Lubbershain the ball and, and he can, uh, uh, you know, do the old Michael Bevan uh, uh, pitch in and, and, and get one, get a good one with a bad one. So, um, <laughs> um, get a good one with a bad one. I love it. So, I, 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 that that aspect of things I think is really pleasing. Um, and um, I mean, really, the only change that is available to the Australians is whether or not you want to play Matt Renshaw in the next test. Um, they didn't play him in the first test because they felt that he lacked match practice. But the thing is, that he hasn't played in the last test match. So I don't see how that's necessarily going to be addressed. That issue is going to be addressed to facilitate him mm. playing in the, uh, uh, in the next test match. So um, I, I think things stay the same. Um, uh Again, I, I just don't know what change you could make to that batting lineup. I think you just have to back it in, you know, just suck it and see. Um, yeah. Um, the other person, I, you know, just also want to acknowledge as well uh, in that second innings um, is uh, uh, Tim Payne. Um, oh, Captain's yeah. knock. Oh, Captain's yeah. knock. Extraordinary. And look, B-Man, that, that second dig, right? What was that? That was the fourth day. Um, and we basically had to nearly bat for two days yeah. to save the test, the day and a half. Yeah. And, and you know, Finchy and it was making another great start. And then both the Marsh brothers go for ducks. Abbas is again getting mm-hmm. the ball to talk and things are in strife. Travis Head comes to the crease. And Travis Head, I thought, Chris, batted out of his freaking skin. Yeah. And it was one of those wonderful things that again only happens because test cricket's such an amazing beautiful ridiculous game mm-hmm. where you get to see two batsmen approaching a problem completely differently that Travis Head was quite prepared to go back and he was quite prepared to cut and he was working off the back foot he was coming forward when he needed mm-hmm. to but he was scoring a lot square of the wicket mm-hmm. um, on the offside particularly and it was he was playing really well. He was playing late. He was playing delicately. And occasionally he'd, he'd hit a few quite hard when required as well. An aggressive batsman, Travis Head. And when you think that he was going from off 72 off 175 with five fours, strike rate of 41, that he was actually playing quite more of an yeah. anchor role there. Usman, meanwhile, as I mentioned before, got out the broom, was sweeping, reverse sweeping. He was coming down the pitch. And as he mentioned, Butter, mm. he was calm. I mean, to give Usman even more credit, there, I think there was 15 overs of the game where he wasn't on the field in 40 degree yeah. heat for five Unreal. days. And when he was on the field, he was either fielding a gully, which is an intense position, square of the wicket just behind, where you know, you're in a catching spot there, or alternatively, he was batting, mm. which is exhausting. An extraordinary thing. And, and you know, JL was saying he's the fittest he's ever been, which is something Lisbon's been criticised in the yeah. past for as well. Um, and he was just out there for hours, yeah. Bardo. An extraordinary effort. So, look, Travis Head goes for 72. Mm-hmm. Manus comes in and out, hits 1-6, and he's out of there. And all of a sudden, seven wickets down, Tim Payne's at the crease, and we've got the wobbles. We've hardcore got the wobbles there. And, and, you know, Australian teams of the past have got the wobbles and died, you know, gone 
firmly down the tubes. And Tim Payne steadied that ship so hard. And this first 15 overs, he looked like a freaking mug. Like his first three overs, I'm not sure if you're watching that when you're at that fancy pantsy dinner, B-man, but Tim Payne did some bizarre stuff at the crease because he was freaking out. And he got away with it. He gave up a chance or two and it didn't get taken. And he fought it out. He grinded. And and he was there till the very end. 61 off 194 balls. He batted deftly with the tail and the other person that needs credit Bardo is Nathan Lyon 5 off 34 Nathan Lyon's defence particularly as a batsman Mm. his ability to to block stuff out and absorb pressure and not get phased by that is an extraordinary skill Um, but overall I mean it sounds like here, and I know that I'm I'm sounding like I'm celebrating it like a win and we need to acknowledge that it was a draw and that Pakistan well and truly outplayed us. Um, but the reason why I'm so excited is it feels like the great escape. It feels like we're at the end of that film and we're riding the motorbike over the barbed wire. Like that's that's how I felt at the end of this test match. It was such a roller coaster, Bardo. Yeah. Such a roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. Um just a great game and um, a terrific advertisement for, for Test Cricket. Um, and what a way what a way for Australia to start the rebuild and um, you know not just the um, not just the performance side of things but the character rebuild. Um, you know the image rebuild. Um, you couldn't have asked for much more. I think if you're an Australian cricket fan, um, you know, uh, you, you've got something where this is a team we can not only watch but get behind. I, I feel, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I think that you know these are these are guys that you know that I can support and, and look forward to doing yeah, so. so. So, so that that's really exciting. And and look, you know, Pakistan um, again are a really exciting side. Um, you know, we obviously we talked about Yasir Shah not taking a wicket in the first dig, but you know looked really threatening uh, in the second innings, and and he's just a fascinating guy to watch. You know, you can all, you can see he's always thinking, and he's got that kind of um, every time he delivers a ball and you know gets one past the outside edge, or uh, the batsman plays one a bit uppishly. Uh, you know, he sort of gets that uh, that sort of thinking stance happening, which I, I absolutely love to see. And, um, and, and uh, you know, roll on the second test. I say, I think, I think it's it's. Uh, uh, as I said, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm running out of superlatives or there aren't enough superlatives to describe uh, uh, just how good that was. It was it, it was really next level. And mate, look, you mentioned Yasir there, who was extraordinarily threatening. Abbas got three for 56. Um, Yasir got four for 114. But there was a bit of criticism of um, Safras's captaincy, B-Man, that he may have been a little reactive, may have chopped and changed too much. He threw around a lot of bowlers. He ended up using two, four, six, seven bowlers, um, so nearly the majority of his team. He didn't give enough opportunity, potentially, Mm -hmm. to Abbas and um, Bilal, who had both bowled so well in the first dig. Um, and and was let down a little bit, if we're honest, big man, by Wahab Riaz, you know, his, his strike pace bowler, um, who did not look himself at all. Um, when, when a couple of those other bowlers came off, the pressure definitely dropped. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, I thought Payne's captaincy was pretty good. 
by and large. I thought he rotated his bowl as well. He used Starkey really well. Um, but that, that captaincy battle is going to be really interesting moving on to the second test. And and speaking of the second test, B-Man, there's a, the pitch is, is looking... Well, not like it's in Abu Dhabi. It looks like the freaking Gabba. It's green, mate. Yeah. Like, it's really yep, green. Yep, yep. Oh, man, I tell you, who's going to love that? <laughs> Muhammad Ooh. Abbas. Whew. Ah, Ooh. true. Yeah, Ooh. interesting. You know, else interesting, is interesting. Mitchell Stark. Mm. Mm. And potentially, I mean, this is the big call. So we were talking about changes to be made to the batting lineup, and obviously there, we, there was only really Renshaw coming in for perhaps the perhaps Labuschagne for me is the only option there, um, batting him at three. But that's probably a bit of a random thing to do. Really, they'll probably keep it the same. If it is green and bouncy, then we might see the big dog, your mate Ben Doggett, be the, dog. the big dog come in, mm. or Michael Nessa. Um, depending on conditions, I don't know. What do you? What do you? Obviously, for John Holland, I'd imagine, um, which is pretty hard on Dutchie. Yeah, pretty hard on Dutchie. Um, or do you just bowl oh. Mitchell Marsh a bit more? Because they didn't bowl him at all in the first dig. Uh, so ah, maybe you just roll as is. It is a selection headache, Pat. Um, <laughs> it is a selection headache. I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, I guess it'll just be a decision that we. Uh, find out about uh, before the start of play. Uh, I would be inclined to play the extra extra seamer, uh, just because. No, well, no, no reason other than it's green. <laughs> no, it's green, and I want to play a seamer. God damn it! Um, <laughs> and it's look, it's what it's what I want. <laughs> it's what we're good at. Yeah. It's what we're good at, and it's what Pakistan have probably faced less yep. is real raw pace. Um, and they're, they're talented batsmen. They can probably smash us around maybe, but if it's green and it's moving around and we get to the chance to have a crack at it first, then then our pace attack could really come into its own. It, it can do that. It might do that weird subcontinental thing though, Bardo. And we've seen this before where you look at a pitch and you think it's a green monster and you get out there and play on it and actually it's turning three foot left to right. Um, it's always so difficult to tell, isn't it? I mean, the only bloke who ever really looked like he knew what was going on with pitches was Tony Gregg. Um, I feel like since Tony's not around that nobody knows what's going to go on when you get out to a pitch these days. Yeah, that's it, mate. Who knows? We'll find out tomorrow, I suppose. Fingers and toes crossed. I tell you what, however it plays, it's going to be bloody exciting, Bardo. It's going to be bloody exciting. The only other bit of news for the test starting tomorrow is that Wahab Riaz has been dropped um, for the decider. Uh, we've mm. got a new quick, an uncrapped quick called Mir Hanza, and an all-rounder Sadab Khan have been named in the 12-man squad. There's also record-breaking limited overs opener Fakhar Zaman is in line to make his test debut as well, who's been smashing it in the T20s. He got a 49-ball 91 um, against Australia so in the, in, the Z, in the T20 series in July. So wow. he's a pretty talented young man. Yeah, serious so dude, eh? We'll see if... If he comes in, uh, by all accounts, Imam al-Haq has got a broken finger. So a few changes for Pakistan there. Green mm. pitch, weird location, um, potential changes to the Australian squad. So it's going to be it's gonna be a whole new thing, Chris. It's going to be all over the joint. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm waveringly different. Um, 
a whole new thing. No, you can't. It doesn't work for a podcast, does it? Uh, no, that's fine. But <coughs> no, look, it'll be. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a good watch, I think, and a good listen, um, a good stream. Um, however, you consume your your cricket, um, I think, as I said, it, it, Test cricket is alive and well. It's the beast that never dies. Um, you can break. It's the only. It's also the other game, only game where you can like break the rules, like consistently <laughs> flout the rules. Um, and it and it lives. It gets better. Like it gets better. You know, I mean who 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 can forget uh or well who can forget or remember because none of us were alive, but you know, W. G. Grace, uh the the great English batsman who who <laughs> refused to walk because they came to see me bat, not to see you bowl. Um just just even in those early days, just completely flouting the not not just the conventions of the game, but the actual rules. <laughs> and here we are, you know, uh, 150 years later. Let me tell you that the bloke that bowled that delivery, the bold WG Grace, was a relative of mine. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly, according to my grandfather, um, who was known for for spinning a yarn. Yeah. But I, I will double check that and bring it back to the pod. Apparently, yeah, he was he was a great uncle of mine. Well, allegedly. <coughs> Um, I'd, I'd believe it, Pat, because you still have trouble people getting people out. So, oh, oh hey, Ooh. hey, hey. I'll have you know, <laughs> I took two for 21 two weeks ago, so stick that in your pipe <laughs> and smoke it, B-Man. <laughs> Let's get out of here while we still can, pal. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off? Oh, mate, bring it on. Let's get going. Bring it on. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Great to have your company. Bido and I will be back after the next test to wrap everything up and preview the rest of the summer as it comes. Maybe even we'll get into a bit of crick lit there if we've gone through the rest of Chris Gale's phenomenal memoir, if we've made it that far. Fingers and toes crossed. If you haven't already, uh, check out our Facebook page. That is facebook.com forward slash two for none. You might be able to find us on the grams as well. If or get the chance, like, rate, and review this podcast in the iTunes store, folks. That really helps us find some more listeners. Bardo, thank you for being with me as per usual. Lovely to see your face. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, and go those bloody Aussies. Two for None is Patrick Cullen and Christopher T. Barty. You can get in touch with us on Facebook at Two for None. Just have a bit of a search there. Also, you can shoot us an email at gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. We'd love to get some more voices on the pod, folks. So spread the word, get your friends in, get your family in. Let's all make it one big family pod experience. <laughs>